Y'all stand with me and turn in your Bibles. I'm going to read an abbreviated version, guys, of the text I gave you. The Gospel of Romans chapter 1, 16 through 18. And just as a teaser, in the next uh, two, we're going to be, uh, the video series is going to be looking at the prosperity gospel and then alternative gospels that are prevalent in the world today, disguised as Christian. Wolves dressed like lambs. And so uh, if we have time, I might even open it up for question and answer so all of our security guards be on lookout next week in case it breaks out on us. <laughs> Romans 1.16, here's Paul. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is God's power working unto salvation for deliverance from eternal death to everyone who believes with a personal trust and a confident surrender and firm reliance to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in the gospel a righteousness which God ascribed or ascribes is revealed, both springing from faith and leading to faith, disclosed through the way of faith that arouses even more faith. And as it is written, the man who through faith is just and upright shall live and his life shall be by faith. For God's holy wrath and indignation are revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who in their wickedness repress and hinder the truth and make it inoperative. You may be seated. And if you would allow me the grace one more time just to pray for myself, and if you would pray with me, I would greatly appreciate it. Lord, I feel this morning like I'm standing on the precipice of the cliff of other men's souls. I feel like if I, I do it well, that they will turn. And if I fail in my weakness or in my inability to speak clearly or through my mannerisms that I might cause one to turn away from you. And I'm asking you, Lord, to change every part. Uh, modify me as a person today, Lord, that the message would be so clear and unblurred that they would lose sight of this uneducated, inarticulate preacher, but the truth would clap like thunder in their soul. I pray, O oh Lord. I pray that even though the God of this world hath blinded the eyes of them that believe not, that the light of the glorious gospel would shine this morning and shine brightly and shine specifically and shine eternally, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. What is the gospel? First of all, the gospel is a divine gospel. It's not the gospel of man and it's not the gospel of salvation. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the story of God's eternal plan to bring glory to his son through redeemed people. Anytime you hear a preaching that originates with, continues by the power of, or ends with man as the subject, is in error, and it doesn't have to be way off to be off. You start a rocket off here on the ground, 
And if you're a degree or two off and you're shooting for the fifth planet, it doesn't show up at first, but check with it a month from now and see where that probe or that rocket is. And it's way, way off course. This is his gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news of Jesus Christ. We are part of the script, but we are not the plot. So be careful of any humanistic thinking. And, and I want to dovetail on one thing because it can be confusing here. Um, and I haven't got to this part yet, but while I'm thinking about it, how many of you are old enough to know you need to say it while you're thinking about it? Because you'll forget. Okay, okay, okay. Where the part where it said, you're not a David, you're not a David. They're correct, but they didn't take time to explain, okay? If I understand the passage correctly, and Jesus is my David, Jesus is the one that conquered sin and death uh, and hell and held up instead of Goliath's head the keys to death, hell, and the grave and showed me that he's victorious. And we come out of our foxholes and we run and follow and smite the enemy. Yes. Having said that, it is not improper to come behind it with a large gap. Here's the key between that and the revealed truth that that same Christ now lives in me. And nothing can come against me and overcome me because, because of that. That victory has to be in the forefront of my mind, not my courage, not my slingshot. Don't test me. You know, that arrogant nature. Say, no, I was just on the sideline, but I read the other day, Christ in me, the hope of glory. And greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. It is not improper to take that story once you understand what Christ did and say, no giant can overcome me because of what Christ has done for me. Does that bring clarity to that? So we get to be a David, and I can prove it. His sins. You get to be an Abraham. And, and our lives do mirror theirs. But the, the plot, make sure your compass is set to a true north. If there is no true north, it doesn't matter what your compass looks like. It always ends up at the wrong place. So the Bible is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a pure gospel. Listen, it's a complete gospel. It's an exclusive gospel. Let the heathens rage. Let the nations be enraged. Let the economical movement scream at us that we're intolerant and uncaring. It is an exclusive gospel available to those who will call upon the name of the Lord and have a firm, reliant, exclusive trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and nothing else, no one else, nothing else added. It's an exclusive gospel. Well, we're all God's children. No, we're all God's creation. We're not all God's children. It's a personal gospel. It's for me. See, the Bible wasn't written to tell me how to live. Paul taught us. He said the Bible was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. How many of you remember going through school? Some of you were very smart, and we don't like you at all. <laughs> school was a struggle, baby. First of all, I didn't have the interest. I, didn't, I had some of the intellect, but I didn't have much motivational desire. But school taught me that I didn't like it. And geometry and trigonometry did not bring me to knowledge. 
it brought me to the, way, the awareness of my ignorance in that subject. The Bible, when you look at the laws and the expectations and the rules and, and what God demands of us, it doesn't bring, it doesn't teach us how to live. It shows us that we can't. So it brings us to a place of desperation where we need a rescuer. We need a savior. That's why if you don't have a Christless gospel, you have a damning gospel because you've been deceived into thinking if I make every effort to live the best that I can, it's enough and it's insufficient because there is none righteous. No, not one. Not one. Not one. I read the Bible. See, if you're self-righteous and you walk around like a Pharisee looking down on everybody, I doubt your salvation. I, I doubt your salvation because the gospel doesn't help you see them clearly. It helps you see you clearly. You go, I'm the one in desperate need of this Savior. It's personal to me. Take you to the place. I can take you to the address. I can take you to the altar. I can take you to the side of the altar where I fell on my face before Jesus Christ and I cried out, My spirit, my spirit. See, we are a spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. I am a spirit. My spirit is what communes with God. It was dead. Dead in trespasses and sin. My soul communes with you. My soul is the seat of my affections and my feelings. And I live in a body. My body is aware of the world. Ow, that hurt. My body's aware that that's hard. My body aware when it's hot or cold. My soul is aware emotionally of you and others. And see, our soul, when hearing the word of God, understands that our spirit is dead. And our soul cries out to God. That's why the whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It calls out from a place of, if you don't come get me, I'm going to die here. If you don't come forgive me, I'm unforgiven. If you don't come rescue me, there's no hope. The word of God is clear. I'm undone. My righteousness is as a filthy rag, which means the best that we have to offer. You name your, your, your most elite Christian, God says they're filthy. And this is the part the modern church will have nothing to do with because you will turn people away and you will offend them. The gospel is offensive. Before you get to the good news, it's a two-sided coin. You don't get to flip it to the good news. You've got to flip it to the bad news first. The bad news is you're already, you're already judged. You're already dead in trespasses and sin. God is angry with the wicked every day. His back is turned against you. His ears are closed to your prayers. He loves you. And he has set in place a plan, a redemptive plan, so that it's unmistakable where you stand. When Jesus Christ became sin for us, all of the wrath of God, see, all of our sins were put upon him. And all of that beating and scourging and mocking and ripping away of his flesh and torture was his view of our sin. So the bad news is, you're worse than you think you are. The good news is, God loves you greater than you think he did. And has provided a way, not to erase. 
See, erase means it didn't happen. Pay for your sins. Closer, the more clear, clearly you understand salvation, the more humble you become because you know, had it not been for the Lord, I would have died in my sins, gone, separated, forever to be judged in eternal fire. I don't believe in hell. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not. Whosoever name was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast alive into the burning lake of fire which burneth forever and ever and their torment ascendeth up forever. What kind of God would send someone to hell? The same kind that would come in the form of a baby, live a sinless life and die in their place so they wouldn't have to go there. You see, you see? It's a personal gospel to me. That's why... That's why I don't mind separating from you or you separating from me. I don't mind you calling me. How many of y'all get in these discussions? Excuse me. Allergies are killing me, just killing me. Uh, How many of you, everything goes well when you meet somebody until they find out you're a Christian? And then the mood changes and the subject changes. You ought to try being a preacher. You ought to have been there in the 80s when Swaggart's deal went down and you were a preacher. Hey, man, this sounds, hey, good to meet you. What do you do? I work down here at the, you know, at the mall. I'm a manager store. What do you do? I'm a preacher. Oh. Well, what kind of preacher? Like, you know, there's a lot of different. I'm a symbol of God preacher. Oh. You do those tongue things? Do you talk in tongues and yeah, yeah, I did. Oh, okay, okay. You know, and it, it, the further it goes, you realize the gap winds. And I'm not trying to sound like a martyr, but let me tell you something. Small cost. That's why Paul said, I want y'all to know that even though you see me naked, and you, they saw him naked. You see me flogged naked in front of people. You see him throw stones against me and break into my body. He said, I don't want you to feel sorry for me because I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he did for me. Not ashamed. And if it brings on separation, so be it. If it brings on persecution, so be it. I'm not going to walk close to your line so that you and I can get coffee together. I like you. I love you. I'd love to be your friend. But if you ask me to compromise him or his truth, me and you separate at that point. So what's going to take in the last day? Listen to your pastor. According to the great tribulation, those that come to faith... Then, and those that are left behind, it'll cost them their life. If, if you can't even be disliked on Facebook, how are you going to lose your life? What are you going to do, sir? This is, okay, I want to tell you, it's not manipulation. I'm saying this to shock you. What are you going to do when they put a blade to your little girl's throat and says, denounce Jesus Christ or we kill her right now? One of those, probably the most moving thing I've ever heard in my life was I heard a missionary on the stage at 630 Wimbish Road, Northside Assembly of God, who told a friend of a friend of his who preached the gospel in the bush and they drug his family down to the rivers 
and where they would feed the alligators. And, you know, for some reason, it was some ritual, something, took his wife and his two children down and told him what they were going to do. You're going to renounce the gospel. You're going to renounce Jesus Christ. We're going to start with your little boy. Then we're going to go to your little girl, feed them to the gators. Then we're going to rape your wife in front of you and feed her. And then we're going to kill you. Renounce the name. The little boy looked at his daddy. He had the blade to his throat standing at the bank of the river. And he said, see you in heaven, daddy. See you in heaven. You think we have the goods? This, our nation is so watered down. The gospel is so diluted and polluted and perverted. We think that it's been designed to elevate us. And the gospel is an invitation to death. It's an invitation to die to yourself. If many man would come after me, first thing, deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. And the way is narrow and it's difficult. And there's opposition and persecution. But on the other side, there's eternal glory for standing with the Son of God. So personal. Yes, amen. It's a perfect gospel. Nothing to be added, nothing to be taken away from. In its simplest form, the gospel is God's pre creational plan to provide forgiveness for our sins. Redeeming us from the curse of the law and supernaturally making us his own. It is the only gospel which satisfies God. The issue is not, are you sad? I'm satisfied with my, with my belief system. Well, your belief system isn't for you. That's like going up to a restaurant and a big sign, not handwritten. It's like 24 by 24 framed. Engraved and still, we don't take checks. You whip your checkbook out. We don't take checks. Oh yeah, well this is a this is a form of payment accepted in the United States. We don't take checks. And I know that example falls way short, but when you stand before God, all He wants to know is what did you do with His Son Jesus? That's it. It's an exclusive. All right. Number two, what the gospel is not. It is not for you, it is for God. God's goal in rescuing and redeeming you is bringing many sons unto glory. Yes, you're the recipient of the grace, but it's for him. First of all, your pastor is uneducated. I've never been to seminary or Bible college or any of the other, but I also feel inarticulate many times to express uh, the things I feel. And it's like, it's hard to get it out. But when I think of, of Kelly and I's babies, and Isabel and Olivia and Elisha, I know they're their own person. But to me, to me, I derive the greatest joy. I derive the greatest pleasure when, when Kylie calls me dad and Haley calls me pops. I, I, 
I derive that pleasure. See, the relationship, I might be more on the giving in on the providing. They might be on more of the receiving in, but it's my glory. Do you see? And the gospel is that it brings glory to the Lord. Redeeming sons unto glory, it creates uh, avenues to, to spread his majesty and his glory. What the gospel is not, it's not for you, it's for God, his desires, his intentions, his purposes, his glory, and for his joy. It's not part of the truth, it is the truth. It's not a way to salvation, but the only way. It does not center around man but God. It is not a grouping of keys or formulas to help one live better, have more, be successful, or live a fulfilled or happy life. It is not the cure for my common everyday problems or a magical prescription for happiness. I mean this to be funny, so y'all help me because uh, it's been a heavy message. If you was ugly before you got saved... You're ugly after you got saved. If you got hammer toes before you got saved, if you were poor right before you got saved. You see, the gospel is not, how do I get out of this hole? How do I turn it around? No, it's not a prescription of happiness. It's an opportunity for relationship. And from that relationship, and by that it sounds so understated, where I get to know God and be born into his family and hear his word, hear his voice, know his ways, receive his love, grow in grace, and then be forever united with him in heaven. That's the hope of the Christian. It's not just a get out of hell free pass, obtainable by mental assent to the existence of God. I believe in God. Well, so does the devil, but he's not saved. I go to church. Well, I go to Burger King, but that don't make me a whopper. Just walking in the door. Anyway, that's common sense stuff, but you'd be surprised what all I hear. The gospel is not and cannot be separated from lordship, submission, obedience, sacrifice, and self-denial. But in fact, on that satis one that satisfies God, it resurrects the spirit. It clears the conscience, seals us with the Holy Spirit, frees us from the power of all sin, death, and the law, and gives us the absurd privilege of knowing and loving God personally. Did you know nobody before Jesus' resurrection ever had a clear conscience? Today I can stand before you and tell you mine's clear. Flawed? Oh my God. Yes. Uh, could, you be could you be a better? Yeah, just fill in the blank. Yeah. yeah. But when I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And my relationship is not based upon my performance, but his redemptive work that is completed. <laughs> it's completed. Ben, if you would come, please. Why is it so important to know the gospel? Because without it, we die in our sins and there's no covering for God's anger and justice. Because if we add to it or take it away, it makes it of no effect. We'll be talking in the next couple of weeks about the economical movement and such. 
Well, we'll just all come together, all the faiths, we're all joining together. Once you do that, it, 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 it voids the warranty. Did y'all hear what happened to my youth pastor? I almost killed him. He was doing me a favor. My iPhone was doing some stuff. The battery was going out. So I ordered a battery online and he went to take the back off. It blew up. I don't mean like, I mean, boom, caught on fire. We got it on shaky video. It's pretty funny. And Chris is running around. Chris is going, and he dropped it on this little runner and it burnt all the way through the runner and it was just mangled. And I said, ain't no problem. I just get me some salad tones, take it to the iPad, iPhone, iPlace. Say, hey, this don't work. Look, look at here. And somebody said, you took the back off of it and you voided the warranty. The Lord spoke to me as I was praying for you. I felt it was his voice. He said, tell them if they touch the gospel and alter it in any way, it voids it. No man, no priest, no, no person, no effort, no works. The one that comes to God must come guilty, judged, and humble himself and said, I am who you say I am. I have no hope and no help. I need a savior. Will you be that for me? And that is the person that receives grace. Almost finished. Because if we reject it, God turns us over to ourselves. And once we turn turned over to ourselves, there's no bottom to the hole we'll spiral downward to. Why is it so important? Because God's salvation is only available during the combination of hearing it and God's invitation in the moment. The explanation of the gospel, what you've heard today, is the revelation of God's intention. The opportunity of the gospel is available at the working of the Holy Spirit. Listen, three verses and I'm finished. John 6, 44, listen. No man can come to me, Jesus said, except the Father which sent me draws him. So there's the hearing of the gospel and the wooing of the Holy Spirit. That's why so many people get saved in churches. They're hearing the gospel. They can't leave. They can't slip out. And the, they, the Spirit has time to work on their heart and, and woo them. You can't come when you want. Well, whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In that moment, when the Father's drawing them, John 5, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that hears my word and believes on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead, those that are dead in trespasses and sin, shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall come to life. In 2 Corinthians 6, since we are God's co-workers, we urge you not to let God's kindness be wasted on you. God says, at the right time, I will hear you. And on the day of salvation, I will help you. Listen, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation.
I'm going to ask the guys in the sound booth to play this song for me. And I want you to bow your heads. And if there's someone here today that says, it could be anywhere from I don't go to church at all to, oh my God, I haven't fully heard the gospel till today. I want you to come and find a place and kneel at this altar and surrender to the message you heard today. Guys, if you would play that for me.